Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, your advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and... uh, well, the samurai steak today, boy, I am so lucky. If you've ever wondered about the world of beef, the world of steak, we talk about John Howie and uh, Morton's and uh, the Mets and El Gaucho, and it all comes down to that beautiful piece of beef that uh, some people like and some people don't care for. But I've got someone here today, and you've met him last week, Kurt Dan Meyer, who is the uh, founder of Beecher's Cheese, he's also in the livestock business because he has, we're going to do a tasting of some of the best beef in the world, and it's from our own backyard. Many people think that's Wagyu, but we've got a little connection uh, similar to that, but uh, let's talk about beef with Kurt. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah. How about that? Appreciate you taking the time. Another Saturday night, getting all the way over here, and more, and cooking. I mean, you come bearing food, carrying bearing gifts, which is great, and I, I for some reason, we don't have a winemaker here to, to compliment this, but let's talk about beef. Um, does, does the world know that you're in the beef business? More and more people, for sure. How did you... Wait, I can see the cow thing. Is this, is this an extension of cows? You said, well, these cows are kind of lonely, all these... these Ladies needs <laughs> no it's an extension of me wanting to eat the best stuff that I, that and wanting to make it all right and did you do research because I think when we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about how you started Beechers in Pike Place you walked by the building and said that's a great place to make cheese so I'm I'm the executive chef for my company and I cook occasionally at, at some of my restaurants and one of them is Bennett's on Mercer Island for years I was using Wagyu beef on Mer- on at Bennett's and I loved it. Customers loved it. And then what happened was one day I, I found out that our supplier of Wagyu beef was for sale. And I said, oh, my God, I think Wagyu beef. First of all, it's one of the few luxury items where every single person, if you put it in front of them, would be able to tell the difference between a $50 one and a $100 one. Like wine isn't quite like that. Cheese isn't quite like that. Not every single person would be able to tell the difference. But in in Wagyu beef, everyone knows. Let's talk about Wagyu because Wagyu is a a term that that talks about a specific um, breed of beef that was originated where? Well, so it's it's actually the the Japanese word for cow. Okay. And within Wagyu, uh, there are several breeds. Um. There's uh, and the breed that we use is called the black kurogi, which uh, is black kurogi. Yes, <laughs> which is the same breed that is famous for becoming the Kobe beef. Okay, and how is Angus different? Because there's black Angus. Black Angus is an American cow breed. Okay, that is uh, it's the predominant producer of of beef in the in the U.S. Right, I believe so, predominant. Okay, so you have a black. Corega. Black Kuroge Kuroge is the the, the, the breed, the, the Wagyu breed that breed. we use, okay. and we breed them to Black Angus here in the U.S. Oh. and create this American Wagyu beef, which is basically an above prime American steak. I see. So we aren't trying to create that 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 A five piece of like 
Japanese beef that's mostly fat and you eat more like a foie gras. Not that those aren't wonderful, but that isn't our goal. Sure. Our goal is to just create a better American steak. Okay. So we hear um, Black Angus, we hear Kobe. If we think about the best beef or the most expensive beef, we'll say, um, Kobe often comes up. When we talk about Kobe beef, it's a, it's a, a st- town, in, a city in Japan, and they have a great um, uh, admiration for their animals. And so they feed these these cows, these cattle, um, beer, and they massage them, right? And that to keep them stress-free? That's what I've heard. <laughs> What a here, way to go. Here I get the massages, not the cows. The best, the best 15, eight, eight years of their life, which is really cool. And you actually have, um, the, so they're growing the black karoge. karoge in Japan. Yes. And you brought a bull over or a heifer? There, there were 16, I believe, or 26, one of those two, bulls brought over in the 80s. Okay. And almost all of the American Wagyu, black karoge Wagyu, is descended from those original bulls. Interesting. Kind of like the rootstock we would take from France and then Verbo Castel then uh, yeah. to, uh, um, down in California, uh, Tablas Creek. So uh, let's talk about beef. Um, there's so many different cuts of beef. We talk about cuts, but we also have grades. So what should we like to talk about first? So for our, our brand is Mishima Reserve, and uh, it's, um, it's the, the beef that we sell at our butcher's table restaurant here in South Lake Union. And so what we're going to taste today is the grades, four-star, five-star, and ultra, which is based on the amount of marbling in the cut. The more marbled, the more valuable, the more luscious, the the, the more flavorful. Which which way is my plate supposed so, to be? So uh, the red dot top left. Okay, great. Very good. I like that. And then we're going to taste um, four, four different cuts all at five-star. So uh, – we, and we we do this at our restaurant. We, can, we do uh, – Flights, beef flights, that so you can taste the difference, like a wine flight. So I want to start. To bring with, it on a skewer and just like here you go and slice no, it. No, you get like four ounce pieces of okay. it. Okay. So you can taste the difference. So we're going to start at the bottom, and the bottom left is five star, so the middle grade, and it's uh, it's tenderloin. All right. And uh, I have to say, this is a beautiful looking cut. You've prepared it beautifully. It's got uh, a nice, dark, uh, coffee-rich char on. It's not, it's, but it's plain. It's just seasoned with salt and pepper, maybe. A little bit of our of our house seasoning. Mm. So you can see the uh, the really fine-grained meat on the on the on the tenderloin. And tenderloin is the least marbled of the steak cuts. Also, the least used muscle in it. It's just right. It's the least used muscle, so it has the least amount of fat. And it's not super amazingly beefy. What's interesting is that even though I don't work out, all my muscles get fat. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you're not marbled. Maybe it's not internal. That's true. I need some. So, so um, that that one is uh, is mm. the tenderloin. It's super, super. I mean, you can cut it with a with a fork. Yeah, uh, very tender. Now, um, where is Mishima Ranch at? Is this one ranch? Or Mishima Reserve. Not Mishima, Mishima Ranch. Sorry, Mishima Reserve. And where is your ranch? Well, we own uh, the the cows. And not the land. So we work with about 35 different ranchers around the Western United States who um, grow our cattle for us. All right. So, um, so, so when we think about uh, this is basically, it doesn't taste very grassy. It must be a blender. Well, they're, they're fed a mixture of grain and grass. Okay, yeah. And, and they're long fed. So the typical American beef cow is uh, when it's, it gets weaned at around 8 to 10 months after it's born. And then it goes and is fed uh, mostly grain for 100 to 120 days before it's harvested. 
in our case, we, we take the, the calves when they're weaned at age 10 months, we feed them 400 to 450 days more. So almost a whole year longer than a traditional American cow. And we do that because we, we want to feed them this mixture of grain and grass and give them the grain slowly so the fat builds up inside the muscle rather than on the exterior, which is not tasty and not valuable. Sure. Makes sense. And I was always curious about that because I know they say grain finished or corn finished or whatever that is, or grass finished even. Um, but that never seemed like it was long enough. It was like just this, it was like throwing in your spirit at the very end and getting a little uh, Oloroso, Oloroso cask, which was cool, but uh, obviously that's different. Um, but if an animal needs to uh, process these, metabolize things, and also for it to sink in into the, 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 the product itself, it, it takes time. Right. Can't rush it. And, and you don't have to give them any antibiotics to have them digest it when you do it that way. Oh, that's true. So the American beef cattle typically give them the, the antibiotics so that they can digest more grain. All right. So the first one was a five-star? All these are all five-star. I see. So it's the middle grade, but okay. we're tasting different cuts. Oh, all right. All so right. the, the second cut yeah. is, is the, what we call the cap of ribeye. So we take the ribeye and we take it apart. We take that, that top curved... Um, piece that's the best tasting the piece lip. with a lip. We take that all the way off and sell that separately from the eye. So you don't get when you order a ribeye at our place, you don't get that big glob, big globs of fat. <laughs> so the the uh, cap is generally considered the most flavorful, the the richest, the most the it's the highest priced piece. Really interesting. And how many cuts does uh, Mishima Reserve produce? Well, I mean, every animal is the same, right? And and 17, so you'll do sirloin, you'll do chuck, you'll do brisket, absolutely. you'll do okay. You have to, uh, and seventeen percent of the animal is steaks. So seventeen percent of the animal is seventy percent of the value. Oh, in fact, our our, our Mishima Reserve uh, ground beef is I, I think it's going into QFC in like three or four weeks. Wow. That's cool, right? To the sure. masses, quality yeah. food centers, um, uh, delicious. So the, the next cut we're going to be trying is uh, a New York steak, the third piece. And so you should be able to tell that New York is a little chewier, mm -hmm. um, maybe a little beefier. Definitely has that distinct New York chew. Mm -hmm. Where the first two were really, the first one was fine grained and super tender. Yeah. The second one had a little bit more grain to it, but really rich and beefy. The third one is chewy and really characteristically New York. Why is the New York chewier when you think of the ribeye having just as much marbling? Well, the New York is is one end of the of the ribeye. The, the ribeye and the New York are all the same uh, muscle in the in the animal. It's just one end on the other, and it has to do with with how much they use the muscle. I see. Okay. So then the last cut we're going to try in five star is the eye of the ribeye, which should be very similar to the New York, a little less chewy. The eye of the ribeye. So is that part of the T-bone steak? And that's the tenderloin and the New, New that's York. That's tenderloin in the New York. Um, and the ribeye it's, it's is part a of the ribeye. No, the, a, a ribeye steak. Okay. And... um. So the the the, the mm. top part is the cap, and then the bottom part below that little rib, ribble, this little the, the fat, is the the eye. Man, 
First of all, your seasoning is great. Well, thank you. And the preparation is outstanding. That seasoning is in my latest cookbook, too. Mm. <laughs> so then on top, so so those were the four different cuts. And so you could say, tell, say there's there's a real difference between those cuts. That's good to know. And then now the, the second part of our tasting is going to be a four-star, five-star, and ultra. So all of the cap. Ultra, like Avenger. That's sweet. So um, on your left is the four-star. Mm. Well, hold on a second. Let's, uh, let's say this for the next segment because okay. I, I still want to talk about, when you think right. about preparation, um, you're a chef. Did, were these, uh, w- what's your method of preparation? Because these look like they're on a... Wood fire. Wood fire, because they are, they are caramelized. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that on a pan sear. They're all, we cut all of our steaks at the butcher's table in a baseball cut, regardless of what, what cut they are. So that they, baseball cut means I know that with the tenderloin, it's a big old fist. Yeah, it, rather than being flat and, and long, mm-hmm. we make them really thick and skinny. Got it. So that you have, and then we were able to grill them all sides. Yeah, uh, really, almost all the flavor happens on the outside, and it's called the Maillard reaction, and that's where sugars are caramelized, and so even the sugars in this beef is caramelized, and that's what makes the char on the outside. Um, the other thing that's important to do. Because we season them at least four hours in advance, including the salt. So the salt, in the first hour after seasoning, the salt pulls moisture out of the steak. But then if you leave it on, it will actually reabsorb back into it. And the salt will penetrate all the way to the center. Like a brine. Right, like a brine. It's just like brining. It's like dry brine, basically. Um, So four hours in advance, we season them. And then um, we have them right up to room temperature before we grill them. So that yeah, that's the key, right? Because yeah. you want you want that flame as hot as possible to get all the perfect sear, and the marks. And, and when it's a cold out of the refrigerator, it's going to either cool down your pan where you, it takes a lot longer, and it's not going to be even. Right. So awesome. Um, where can we find Mishima Reserve uh, steaks now? Well, either at the butcher's table okay. or uh, actually several restaurants around town now are serving our steaks. Okay, so it's just on premise for now. Yes. Uh, you can buy, we have a butcher shop at the butcher's table, as you might well imagine, and you can buy them at that butcher shop. And where's the butcher's table? 2121 Westlake, across from Whole Foods. Perfect. All right, folks. Hey, stick around. I got Kurt Dammeyer, uh, the executive chef of the Beecher's Restaurant Empire. <laughs> sure. We're talking Mishima Reserve. We're talking beef, and I've got uh, the best of the best coming up next, right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, happy Saturday night. Hope you have some steaks going because I've got uh, the most amazing beef experience ever, and that sounds a little weird, but it's truly not. I'm here with Kurt Dammeyer, who uh, owns or is... Tell me how Mishima Reserve... Uh, what's your, You said executive chef, Kurt, but... I'm the owner of it. All right, he's the owner. Uh, get along, little doggy, right? You, you're the wrestler? I'm, I'm Cattle the wrestler? wrestler? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. So we just talked about... We just tasted the five-star a version of, of four different cuts of beef, all um, rated at the five-star level. And let's talk about grading as far as Mishima Reserve goes. Now, is that a spe- specific grading only um, particular to Mishima? Well, almost... All the American Wagyu producers, and there are a few others besides us, use a three-grading three system kind of a thing. Their names might be different, 
but they they generally follow the same categories. Like silver and uh, silver, black, or yeah, yeah. platinum. Or, Guy, yeah. I know. All right. Um, and five star would be the the middle grade. Is the middle grade now? Is there a declassification process? You say well, somehow this 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 particular uh, black. Kuroge Kuroge um, did not meet three, four, five, or the the three or four, five stars. That were four, five, six stars, right? Four, five, and ultra. Four, five, and ultra. Yeah. Is there a degrade? Would you call it burger and just say it's not doesn't have anything to do with machine? We we do have some animals that don't meet our grading and are just sold off. Okay. All right. And so they're graded um, at the time of harvest, and they they cut between right between the ribeye and the New York, and visually. Uh, measure the percentage of fat in that muscle, and that is where the grading happens. Okay, what sort of grade? What are the parameters to say? All right, it is fifteen percent fat per square inch, or do you looking at for? There are six lines of of gri- I wouldn't call it gristle or, or flavor of fat. In there. What's the the parameters? It's that- the percentage, and so the Japanese were the ones who originally did this, and they have a twelve stage twelve step or 12 um, different categories for grading, 1 through 12. Here in the U.S., we just have uh, uh, select, choice, and prime, which right. prime, only 2% of cows in the, in the U.S. Are, are graded prime or above. Our four-star is roughly equal to prime. Five-star is the highest of prime that was really and good. well above. And then Ultra is just about A4 uh, Japanese Wagyu. Okay, now we're on Japanese. Is there A4, A5, and A6? Or they have A4 and A5 are their top categories. I see, and wow. It's from marbling score of like 9 through 12. And I've had um, uh, A5 tenderloin. And it was definitely like butter. It's not something you expect. You think there's this great flavor, but really it's just so f- richly decadent and fat. Um, which is flavor, but it, the texture is so odd. It's yeah. just not your steak experience. It doesn't eat like a steak. No. And, and so one of the things that we do at the butcher's table, all of our steaks are all eight ounces. Our, mm. our, our idea is a smaller piece of higher quality beef, which is kind of how I think we want to eat today. No, it's good. Well, the, the USDA says, what, three ounces? <laughs> That's our beef uh, serving for whatever, uh, whatever biometric we're trying to meet. Well, let's talk about uh, these next th- three selections you have. So we've got three different um, grades of the uh, of the cap of the ribeye, which is generally considered the best piece. Uh, so the first one is a four star. All right. That's good. I mean that. That's but, four but, star. But still has a little chew. Yeah, but a steak. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that is pretty tasty. Even even cool. I mean, full disclosure, we're not eating, we're not eating these hot off the grill. Yeah, they won't let me op- start my barbecue in the studio. <laughs> I told them it was okay. Then the next piece is five star. Wow, that is so good. Well, let's see what you think about five star. Well, let's see what the people think here. Mmm. Well, Beck is here from Indie Chocolate, and she's actually. Uh, would you put a chocolate cocoa nib crust on this, perhaps? All right, hold that. that might thing. not be bad. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to talk not, offline. You, yeah. Nothing's bad with this. I mean, this is so perfect. In fact, I don't know that I want a real heavy Bordeaux. I think I want maybe, I don't say Pinot, but it might have to be uh, something from um, like Bandol. Well, one of the things you don't want is creamed spinach. Right. And, and so... It's more fat and more uh, fat. Our, our steakhouse, 
a lot of things, most things we have are have some fresh crunch, some acid, and a little heat. We we do use a lot of peppers and um, and to try to create some some heat, which leavens the richness. And mm. and we do have Beecher's mac and cheese there, but most of our stuff is lighter and brighter, and and raw. Wow. What you so do you tell? Can you tell the difference between the four and star and five star? I think the five star has a little more richness and flavor, but yeah. the texture is very very similar. Yeah. Um, and to me, uh, and again, we're talking different cuts here, so they're not exactly the same exact piece of beef that I'm getting per se. But um, so well done. I, I'm just blown away by how delicious the flavor is. Because sometimes I get weirded out by beef, like yeah. mm, like like New Zealand lamb. No, I'm not a big fan of the grass flavor. Or some of these beefs, like gosh, that one just doesn't taste like it was a happy cow. I don't know. Well, one of the the truths of our of our beef or of American wagyu beef is that the long feeding builds additional just beef flavor too. That's just maltier and richer than it is if it's if it's harvested 120 days after. It's, they're just too young. Yeah, I guess it's like um, you know elevage in a in a barrel or even um, bottle conditioning for a beer. All right, so the last one is ultra. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hey, Kev. <laughs> Engineers salivating. I mean, I got a real big difference in that one. And sometimes, you know, this, there's a, there's a there's a range in the, in these grades, right? And so it, today, the four star and the five star were closer together, but the ultra is a is a huge leap different to me. And you can tell even when you cut it, your knife just goes right through it. You probably don't need a knife. And then when you eat it, it's just got that um, silky richness, ma'am. This is really, really cool. And I was always curious about the uh, Snake Rivers, the, the Mishimas that I, I've heard about and being in the restaurant business for so long, I'm, I'm aware of. Um, but it's it's something to actually have a taste like this. And you do a beef flight at the butcher's table, 2121 Westlake Avenue North. And uh, it's down there across some Whole Foods. What are your hours for that place? We're open, I think, 11.30 for lunch, and we close when people leave. When people leave, yeah, which... Um, it's a pretty good idea. You don't want them hanging out. And but it's relatively relatively later. It's at like 11, 11.30. Wow. And um, you, you have, it's it's more than beef? Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay. So a full menu. Uh, of course, you have cheese and Beecher's mac and cheese. Um, we, even, we have a raw bar even, so there's quite a bit of fish. I've had some of my friends tell me, you got to be kidding. There's more fish than there is beef here. Has that got the upstairs too? Yeah. All right. So now I remember the, the I haven't been there yet, but um, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, upstairs the, is a bright, lively, lively uh, bar. Uh, and then in the the dining room is below ground, and it's rich and great sound absorption. And oh, that's good. Really, uh, people always say it feels like it's in New York. That's cool. Oh, I like that. I'll be checking that out next week. Actually, <laughs> kind of fun. Well, let me know when you're headed over. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, really. Um, March second, Vin Expo, NYC. March second through the seventh. So uh, we can you can find these cuts actually at the butcher shop, and you can pre-order. So if you want to do some entertaining, you guys will hand cut it to to your specifications, or can we say I want a I want a whole uh, a rib roast? Well, yeah, we either have it cut the way we serve it, or you can just get the whole uh, subprimal or anywhere in between. Wow, and and it's only Mishima Reserve. Yes. Okay. Um, so, what would a six? I mean, what what would a sixteen ounce steak, New York's or ribeye steak, 
Is this $25 piece of meat? Is this a $40 piece of meat? I, hard to say. I mean, not a restaurant, but if I were to go to the butcher shop, uh, it's probably twenty nine ninety a pound. Sort of. uh, that's the bottom end. Okay. Yeah. It goes from about $20 a pound up to about $100 a pound. Wow. So cool. Um, but you know where it's coming from. You know the people, and you know that money is staying here, and... Uh, You've got several ranchers, so it's really a trickle down. It's not just one person from uh, where's or be from Nebraska, right? Uh, or right. and but we manage it right from the very beginning. We we know these cows. We know what they're fed. We manage it all the way from from the gleam in the bull's eye all the way to the plate, <laughs> the terror, <laughs> the heifer's eye. Oh my God! Um, really neat. So fun. If people want to learn more about uh, this this particular brand of beef, is there a place they can go outside of the butcher's table? A website? Probably, we do have a website, yes. The best thing to do, really, is go to the butcher's table and, and eat a, f- a flight or two. I agree. Actually, that's that's a great Split idea. Split a flight or two Split, with, yes. your, with your friend. Yeah, um, that's the way to do it, because you, you you still want to be hungry. I think sometimes we, we dig in and we're like, oh, God. Yeah, I, I, can't I, I, think, we're, I think we're just over that 16-ounce steak where you're, you're left with a fat cap that you cut off and the gristle. Mm-hmm. All of our steaks are clean, no fat, no gristle. Every piece goes in your mouth. So that's why you only need eight ounces. Yes. Uh, I love it. Well, uh, you, you had me at black... Karoge. Karoge. <laughs> uh, so fun. Well, I appreciate you having cheese last week. Um, the great flagship features, six-year, the uh, 100% cow's milk, the half cow, half sheep, and then the sheep sheep. The that was really delicious. Pig. And you, we had four different cuts here and three different grades. Yes. Um, and the grades, again, are the four-star, the five-star, and the ultra. And we had the tenderloin, the ribeye, the New York, and then the cap. Yes. Wow. How about that? I Who says get... you're not coachable? I, exactly. $75,587. we got to remember. <laughs> hey, Kurt Demeyer, thanks so much for um, a great preparation, for sharing uh, and elevating myself in the world of restaurant uh, uh, products and sustainable beef. Thank you so much for joining me. Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. Stick around, folks. Be right back. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 8 a.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round three, and I've got three pieces of chocolate in front of me. We went from steak to chocolate, which uh, was a terroir in both, and I have the pleasure of meeting Becca Rober, who is the marketing director for Indie Chocolate. They just opened a shop in Pike Place Market, and uh, they do a whole host of mixology classes as well as make uh, confections with chocolate and mostly chocolate bars. But Becca Rober, hey, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you. Yeah, so glad uh, I'm glad you're here too. We need a little dessert after that beautiful steak. That was, was tasty. Wow, I mean, go figure. I mean, I, I see why God put you on the earth <laughs> to uh, live a great life and then make others happy. Is that how can we say it? Yeah, so I feel like, like I'm in a good business with chocolate too, make, making people happy. You do make people happy, and you probably had a big February last month. I'm sure it was uh, spectacular. First of all, let's talk about Indie Chocolate. Uh, who owns it? How was it started? Yeah, so Erin Andrews is the founder, and uh, she started about 10 years ago. Uh, she took her daughters to Belize to teach them how to make chocolate, where it comes from. The whole origin, um, and she decided she wanted to make her own chocolate in Pike Place Market, and so she opened four years ago, and we just opened our factory where we make our own chocolate from bean to bar, um, as well as 
coffee and confections, like you mentioned. Really? So is that warehouse or that factory, uh, the chocolate factory? I mean, that was a kid's dream back when I was a child. Uh, Where's this factory at? So it's in the market, in the new market front that just got built. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's an all-glass transparent factory. The idea is that everyone can see where the chocolate is being made and how it's being made. So, wow, where mm-hmm. do you find the Oompa Loompas? I, I, that's we get that question all the time. Yeah, from mm-hmm. Belize, is that it? We've got we've got some pretty cool people in the in the space to teach you how to make chocolate. I think Oompa Loompas are Peruvian because they're pretty short <laughs> people too. Um, pretty neat. Now, is is it a, a seven day a week gig? Is that you can oh, yeah, produce yeah. the chocolate? Mm-hmm. You got to yep. fulfill the need to demand, meet the demand. Yeah. Oh yeah. Seven days a week, we're open in the market and. Uh, you know, we have classes and events, so you know sometimes we're open pretty late. Let's talk about the classes and events because I think that's what caught my eye. I was mm-hmm. surprised to see that you were actually uh, a chocolate company was getting into mixology. So tell me about that. Yeah, so we developed this thing called the infusion kit, which, which has cacao nibs and vanilla in it, um, and you put your own spirit. So my preferred spirit is bourbon. I love putting Ooh. bourbon in there. And letting it sit for about a week, and then you get chocolate-infused alcohol. And so, what do you do with chocolate-infused alcohol? You have to make, you know, make a cocktail with it. Sure. Um, one of my favorite cocktails with the infused um, nibs is a, it's like a white Russian. Oh, so if yeah. you do, if you do like a chocolate white Russian with it, super delicious. Um, or you can do some fancy old fashions with some. We well, like gotta, you gotta call it different. Do you have a name for it? Because it's bourbon, and it's it's vanilla chocolate cocoa nib infused bourbon. Yeah. So what'd you call that? Um, for a Manhattan or a an old fashioned, but for like your a white char- Russian, you would call. Oh them, yeah, oh you're right. Yeah, the like, Big Lebowski was a Caucasian. Right. <laughs> That's I mean, different. I don't white Russian at night or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the KGB. Um, well, I like the fact that you called this a uh, infusion kit. Now, in reality, it's a clear flask um, bottle with uh, a great label, and you can see the actual cocoa nibs and vanilla beans, etc., in there. And all you do is add it. You've got a little um, uh, funnel here, which makes it really cute. Uh, and then, you, if you can wait a week, is that the right amount? Could you could you use this again? Could you? Yeah. So it out? we we actually use it twice. We say you can use it twice, and then and afterwards you have boozy cacao nibs. So I like to put those in ice cream or bake them into brownies. You got boozy nibs in your brownies. Oh, what kind of brownies, man? Oh, like with, with <laughs> some caramel, you know? Yeah, caramel. <laughs> Indie caramel. All right, perfect. Blueberry caramel. Uh, well, really neat. I'm glad you're here. And how can people find out about these classes that you offer? So we, ha- we have a great website, really easy to use. There's lots of um, events on the website, but we also are very active on Instagram, Facebook, you know. Website is? Uh, IndieChocolate.com. IndieChocolate.com. That's yes. Indie, I-N-D-I-E. No E. Zero E. Oh, there I-N-D-I. we go. I-N-D-I. I-N-D-I. Got it. All right, IndieChocolate.com. So we're here today, actually, to try some chocolate, because you're going to take me through a chocolate tasting. Yes. All so, right. Um, yeah, so both the owner and I actually sourced the cacao. Um, and a recent trip that Erin went on, she went to La Colonia in um, in Nicaragua. So I'm going to let you try a cocoa bean first. Okay, and so... so- this now cocoa bean. Um, is it come out as a bean or is it in a pod? So it is a, in a pod uh-huh. that is about the size of an American football. There's about forty to fifty seeds, and inside it is covered with a mucilage, what we call a baba, and it is um, kind of yeah, and it tastes like a lychee. It's delicious, and we actually sell mm. the juice in our cafe, really? so you can try the fresh juice. Um, but that f- that fruit juice is what actually ferments the cacao. Um, during the fermentation process. Is that um, part of the, the development of the flavors? It has to absolutely. be icy. Mm-hmm. So it's left in the pod, and so it starts to so, so break you, down. You harvest the pod, you open the pod, and in wood boxes, you collect all of the beans with the fruit around it and cover it in banana leaves to keep the temperature high. 
and then rotate it for five to seven days, and that is when the sugars are eating away at the um, lining of the bean. So uh, that's what makes it less acidic, the fermentation process. I see. So this is the actual clean bean. Is there anything else done to that bean? Do you process it uh, outside of roasting it? um, Well, they're they're dried, and that's when they come to us. And then we roast the beans at different um, temperatures and for different lengths based on what flavors we're trying to develop in the bean. Um, So, you know, we have one origin where we do three different roasts on the bean before we make it into chocolate. Um, but usually they're a lighter roast. Um, and, and this one, to me, has more nutty notes, brownie notes. I don't know what you're tasting, but. Um, I would say walnut, pecan, um, burnt hazelnut, also coffee. There's a coffee oh, yeah. note here, mm-hmm. definitely. And it's, it's like a giant coffee bean, except it's, it's more firm. It doesn't break apart as crunchy as much because it's less toasted. And it's not as bitter. No. Right. It's also a creamy texture to it. Um, there must be a lot of flavonoids in here, There right? are a lot, this yeah. Is, yeah so we, before it's fermented, it's actually bright purple. So something that you associate a lot with antioxidants. Really? Yeah. And also royalty. Well, that too. And huskies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of good things about purple. Uh, so fun. Speaking with Becca Rober, who's the marketing director for Indy, I-N-D-I, chocolate.com, or the Pike Place Market. They do some great classes, some tastings, and uh, I am tasting a bean. So this bean was grown in Nicaragua. Yes. Okay. And then it was fermented in Nicaragua and then mm-hmm. sent, you were imported here to Seattle and yep. you guys roasted it. And then what happens next? So after you roast the bean, um, you have to winnow the bean, which means removing the husk from the, the bean itself. And I don't know if you noticed that papery husk. Mm-hmm. Um we like remove a that. Shell, yeah, right? and or you a... can eat those. Those are fine to eat, but when you're making chocolate, you want to take out the husks. It's There's, bitter. Yeah, it has more of the tannin. tannin. Yeah, like a walnut. Exactly. So, so you take off the the papery husk, and then you um, uh, you grind it in what we call a refiner. Um, it's it's a granite stone on stone um, bowl shaped machine that refines it for about 24 hours. Um, with sugar and added cocoa butter. And cocoa butter is in the bean itself. So 50% of the cocoa bean is cocoa butter. Uh, meaning an oil. Yeah, so it's the, the fat or the oil. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so what's cool about cocoa butter is that the oil is, is, is it so many lipid? It, it congeals at a low temperature. Yeah, and it actually melts at your body temperature, yeah. which is what makes it so beautiful. For your skin. And we have cocoa butter lotions that we sell in our in our space as well um, with some jojoba oil and almond oil. It puts the lotion on. I like it. Um, so fun. Well, So when we taste chocolate, so this is basically three things, four things, cocoa, butter. So no, three things. Three things, sorry. Cacao beans, or um, we call it, yeah, cacao beans, cocoa butter, and sugar. Got it. So no milk. So no milk, no dairy. All right. Although when you taste chocolate, sometimes you taste creamy notes. So the first one you're trying is from Peru. Mm. Um, and this one to me has some really beautiful like kind of lemon curd notes, um, red berries. I um, get red berry. I haven't found lemon curd yet. but Yeah. And so what's cool about chocolate, which is different than coffee, is you have a journey of flavor that kind mm-hmm. of develops in your mouth. Um, coffee, when you taste coffee, it goes kind of fast. But um, as the the cocoa butter is melting in your mouth, it kind of gives you a journey of different, um, you know, flavor profiles that you taste. And you mentioned these were all the same amount of cocoa fat or butter fat. So it's 72% dark chocolate, which when we're talking about the percentage of cacao in chocolate, we're talking about the bean itself. So So how much? 72% of this. Of the bean. The rest is sugar. And the rest is sugar and cocoa butter. Cocoa butter. Um, wow. Um, it reminds me a little like a, a chai. There's a lot of, there's a little fruit flavor there. Mm-hmm. There's some berry flavors and there's some 
Like clove? Yeah, it's, it's not clovey, but it's more it's a nutmeggy. I think mm. there's a little lift in it for me. Um, mm, yeah. But uh, so this. How many different bars, how many sources do you have for chocolate? Um, it varies. Uh, right now in the store, we have about five different origins. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to Colombia next month to do some sourcing. Um, and Aaron will be in Ecuador. So we are constantly, wow. you know, looking for new origins. Yeah, pretty neat. And how many bars, expressions are there? Um, in each bar? No, for you. How many bars, bars do you make? Five different kinds? One from each origin? Or are there? Well, so yeah, we rotate based on what we're importing. Um, but, you know, we also play around with different inclusions as well. So, you know, crystallized ginger and, you know, dried cherries, things mm -hmm. like that. All the good stuff. Yeah. So cool. So we have two more chocolates to taste. What are they? We have the Vietnamese um, and the Ecuadorian. Excellent. So, folks, we're going to come back from this break. We're going to chat more with Becca Robar, um, Robar, who is the marketing director for Indie Chocolate. It's I-N-D-I chocolate.com. Um, you can do, is this kind of what we're doing as a tasting, a chocolate tasting? This would be like this. You would come to the store and you would have a chance to taste You could bean. do that, yeah, for sure. Okay. This and is a flight of chocolate, just like we did the flight of meats, flight yeah. of chocolate. <laughs> we did do a flight of meats. Uh, and a flight to Mars because we're right in this, the shadow of the Space Needle. So stick around, folks. Be right back for a fourth and final segment right here in 570 KVI. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity. Listen and be part of history. Weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to Making History here on Happy Hour Radio. We had a great uh, taste of amazing beef, and now we're on to something equally as dark and mysterious. It is chocolate with my friend Becca Rober, who's the marketing director for IndieChocolate.com, which is in the Pike Place Market. Uh, we just tasted a piece of chocolate, 72% cocoa fat. Butter fat, cocoa butter. Cocoa bean. Cocoa bean. Okay, 70% cocoa bean, and that uh, particular origin was Peruvian, and now we are on to Vietnam. Yeah. All right. What so this is a rare origin. Um, there's not a lot of beans coming out of Vietnam, but cacao grows 20 degrees north and south of the equator. Mm -hmm. um, so countries like Vietnam are starting to produce more cacao, mm. but it's usually finer cacao. When you say f more fine, a more fine product meaning a higher quality uh -huh. or yeah, a like the aroma and the actual composition of the bean. So um, cacao originates from Peru and the the Amazon basin, mm -hmm. um, and was brought over to Africa. So a lot of the times, the African origins are going to be um, less f flavorful um, based on the type of cacao that they're growing there. What were some of the origins in Africa? Um, Madagascar is one of the fine cacao, so there's it's really delicious. Has they more got citrusy, it all, don't they? yeah, vanilla and chocolate. Oh yeah, citrusy notes. Um, but then you know Ghana and the Ivory Coast are considered to be the mass produ production of of cacao. That's you know uh, Hershey's, <laughs> La Cote d'Ivoire. Yes, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. c'est bon. Mm. This definitely has a little more of a tang to me, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's less aromatic, but it has a lot of flavor to it. I, I'm not getting some of that nutmeg. This one has um, sort of like a, a cashew taste oh, I get to the me. nuts too, yeah. It's, it's and um, some strawberry notes. Mm. So. Wow, all right. But it's a little creamier than it the, is a little the creamier. last one. And yeah, in, in our Marignone, we actually, the Peruvian origin, we, we actually like to age it a little bit to, to mellow the flavor. 
Do you age the chocolate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the chocolate. So you make the chocolate and then sit on it for a while. And let it age for a while. Okay, kind of like yeah. cellaring. I get it. All right, the final, uh, the final s- uh, sample we have is um, from Ecuador. Yes. And Ecuador is north of uh, Peru, right? It's in the yes. Central America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right? Well, it's, in, it's still south, but it... Oh, is it there? Yeah. What do you think? I never took geology. <laughs> geology? <laughs> Geography. <laughs> that's what I say. That's a joke. Um, so the Ecuadorian has some kind of oaky notes, a little red wine, um, kind of caramelized sugar notes. This one's one of my favorite origins. This one is, is definitely... More exotic. And this, it has layers of flavor, layers of personality that are just like, it's a bit crazy. But <laughs> Yeah, so this is one I like to pair with wine. Um, and, and pairing is really fun. We've done some, you know, spirit pairings, beer pairings. Wow. We're doing actually a sake and chocolate event next month. Really? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Cool. Mm. This one is a slow melt. It's interesting because if they're the same amount of... Um, what makes that melting temperature change? Um, you know, I think it's the temperature in my mouth. Is yeah, kind of, mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> Talking too much. Um, but one thing that that we like to do too is, is smell the chocolate first. So you can rub the chocolate in your fingertips, and mm-hmm. it opens the pore of the chocolate, so you can actually let it breathe. And you know, part of tasting is smelling. So yes, you really get the big that part. Yeah, so you really get kind of that introduction to the flavor profile by smelling it. This has a hint of cinnamon or something, cardamom or something Mm. in there that just gives me a lift, um, (laughs) a little buzz. How much caffeine is in chocolate? Is there any? So there is caffeine in in chocolate, but the main part of chocolate is theobromine. Theobromine. Um, And I like to say that that has a more steady kind of like high. Is that amino acid? Less of a come down. Come down. Well, no, it's um, it's a, you know, like it's kind of of crash, man. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of more stable. Um, yeah, it's it's a molecule. You should send some to Trump. (laughs) I'm not sending. Well, never mind. Yeah, come on. That's not that you love him. Um, is is Valentine's the biggest chocolate? How was that a huge chocolate day for you guys? Uh, It was one of our biggest days for sure. We actually are, you know, a tourist destination, so. In the summertime is when we see most of our customers coming through. But now that we have a coffee shop, we've been getting a lot of regulars coming uh, in for their their daily mochas at and least, drinking uh, chocolate. At least October through May, right? Or through April? Yes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, it's IndieChocolate.com. A-I-N-D. Let me start over. I-N-D-I. Chocolate.com. Uh, you, you have classes available on the website now, and you, you're open seven days a week. You can come down. Um, you don't need a tour because you can just push your nose against the window. Yep, you got <laughs> it. And we have, you know, we have chocolate to taste when you get there. Um, and a lot of um, people who are there to help you, you know, learn about chocolate. You have all your questions asked. God, I've got a little buzz going on right now. Feels good, huh? It does feel good, and that's why we do Happy Hour Radio Show. Hey, uh, Becca Rober with Indie Chocolate, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to share some chocolate with me. I love being here. Thanks. Awesome. Well, we'll get you back because uh, you've got some more expressions, and we're always into learning more about the world of food, wine, cider, spirits, cocktails, events, and education from around the world, and we did it today from our own backyard to Ecuador, Peru, and Vietnam. Hey, folks, hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, we have a website. It's called happyhourradio.net, and we're also on iTunes. You can check it out. Share it with your friends and uh, tell uh, tell everybody about it. We have a good time. Um, I look forward to seeing you uh, June 16th. That's right. I'm teasing it now. June 16th at the Gold Medal Wine Tasting. I'll see you again next week right here, 570 KVI. And remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.